John chapter 3. I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, which I have found to be a wonderful translation for all the Mauritian people. I say the Mauritian people, you've heard me say it before, English, though it's the, it is the national language, it's not the number one language they use. I can speak with most any Mauritian out there, provided I speak at a pace where it's not too fast. I'm very fast, I know, but um, the, the language itself, the written word of the Christian Standard Bible, it's, it's a wonderful translation and very accurate, very complete to the original manuscripts, of which I also will be using my New King James Bible for the primary reason why I have used it uh, over a decade and I just have all my notes in it and I will refer to the both. Now, chapter 3. In chapter 3, what we are going to see is an encounter between Jesus Christ and a well-established intellectual one who is not only prominent in stature, but also in mind, understanding. This was an individual by which we will see in just the very ver first verse, an individual that was well-respected and well-known in the scriptures. But let's see what kind of conversation he has with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is now on the scene. He has been baptized. He has gone away by the, by the uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit and has been led and tested, proven he is the Son of God, by which all man will know God, and only through Jesus Christ will we know him. It is by his Holy Spirit that we are transformed into the likeness of this very man that we are going to read about, Jesus Christ. And it begins, chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform these signs that you do unless God were with him. But Jesus replied to him, Truly, I tell you, or the translation in the King James Bible will say, Verily, verily, I tell you. Jesus will be the only one using those words. Anytime you will read any of the Gospels, you will read, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, or truly. You know only Jesus spoke those words, and here is what he said. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we will go further into the text, but I would like to begin the introduction like this. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. The Jews were divided into three great sects, three great divisions. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes. Now, the Essenes were a group that John the Baptist was believed to be a part of. The three principal sects 
are believed to have originated about and only about 150 years before Jesus Christ. They did not always exist. We hear nothing about them in the Old Testament, but here they are with 150 years worth of practice preparing themselves for the coming Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and they had no idea. It reads, the Pharisees were the most numerous and wealthy sect of the Jews. They believed that God was under obligation to bestow special favor on the Jews and that they were justified by their own conformity to the law. They were proud, they were haughty, they were self-righteous and held the common people in a great disrespect. So in the eyes of the, the Pharisees, for the most part, the common men were disrespectful. By the time we get to chapter 7, let me read this one verse where a group of Pharisees are together. One of them says, But this people who knoweth not the law, they are cursed. Speaking of all those that were following Jesus, all those that were following Jesus were not of the, uh, they were not of the Sadducees. As a matter of fact, like I said, for 150 years they've only been around, and sure enough, they will be the ones that will come against that which is true, that which is life. Jesus Christ himself. In general, the Pharisees were corrupt, hypocritical, office-seeking, that is, governmental rule, office-seeking, haughty class of men. However, there are some honorable mentions to those who were part of the pharisaical group. Here we have Gamaliel. He was the one who taught Saul of Tarsus, who would later be known as Paul the Apostle. It was Paul the Apostle who sat at the feet of this very one, Gamaliel. It is said of Gamaliel that when Gamaliel died, the integrity of the law of Moses died with him. Joseph of Arimathea and also Paul the Apostle, he too was a Pharisee. He was at the top of his list, the top of the class, at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul was the, he excelled, highest of them all. So here we have Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus... Uh, being the, the, the fourth honorable mention, he really was separated from the rest of the pharisaical group because that very verse that I quoted to you from chapter 7 was said to Nicodemus in ridicule to him because he was defending Jesus. He was defending him. And sure enough, they said to him, but these people who knoweth not the law are accursed. And it went on to say, are you also part of them? Nicodemus, well, Nicodemus, knowledgeable of the scriptures, he could have quoted uh, to you most any passage of the Old Testament. But without understanding, the Bible is just another textbook that you can pick up at any bookstore, at any university. And just like Nathanael there before him in chapter 1, it took a miraculous sign for the both of them to come to the conclusion that Jesus was sent from God, that Jesus was God. Nathanael was a common man. Nicodemus was a ruler. 
Two men that were on complete opposite ends of the spectrum of social stature. Yet, both men were identical when it came to knowing who Jesus was. And do you know why? Verse 3 has our answer. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus makes a bold statement that will separate him from all other belief systems that exist and that ever will exist. You must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. There is nothing that we as men can do to receive entrance, acceptance into the kingdom of God. There is nothing that we can do that God will notice us above his own son, Jesus. The Bible teaches us that it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus' death and resurrection is our entrance into heaven. We cannot know God. We cannot get into heaven unless we first acknowledge and recognize what Jesus Christ did. That is what the Bible teaches us. And as you can see, Nicodemus, though a respected man in the, in the aspect of, of stature, he was a man of influence. He was a ruler. You could not get into heaven by following him. Not even he knew what Jesus was talking about. This is something very important that I want all of us to understand. It is only through Jesus Christ that we gain entrance into heaven. We're going to see here in just a minute the power of Christ in each and every one of us. That being said, we encourage you, read through your Bibles. If any man has you to follow them as the means to entering and or gaining knowledge to enter into the kingdom of heaven, it's false. There's only one way into heaven, through Jesus Christ. That being said, Nicodemus will say, how can anyone be born when he is old? Verse 4. Nicodemus asked him, Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born again? Nicodemus is using the method earthly thinking. Nicodemus was not born again. Therefore, the only method of understanding the scriptures that he was able to use was by earthly thinking. When it came to the scriptures, Nicodemus was no better than any other bright or clever student. And in all that, Nicodemus did not understand the scriptures because he did not know Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. You and I both know that because we read that from John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know the Gospel writer John is referring to Jesus Christ because there in verse 12, I'm sorry, 14, verse 14, it reads, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, and none other than Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, the last book of what we have as a complete canon of Scripture, Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, reads this, And he was clothed 
with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. This is a time when judgment comes upon all man. That blood is the blood of all those who refused Jesus Christ, who refused what the Bible speaks of as truth. I don't encourage to follow a man. I don't encourage to listen to a man. But I most definitely encourage, listen to the words. If the words pronounced from any man or woman say, seek the Lord in his word. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. By all means, follow that. Because there will come a time when it could possibly be your blood on the robe of Jesus Christ. Because right now, Jesus Christ spilled his blood and clothed you with it. And God Almighty sees him. He sees his son Jesus all over those who have accepted the truth in what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. Born again, you must be born in the spirit realm. It is to be born in the spirit realm. Now, the Apostle Paul will write in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 14. Paul will say this, But the person without the Spirit of God or the natural man, does not receive what comes from the Spirit of God, because it is foolishness to him. He is unable to understand it because it is evaluated, it is investigated. The word means that which is of the Spirit is determined and can only be examined spiritually, that which is of God. When we reject the Word of God as foolishness, when we say that is foolishness, I, I, would, I would bet, I would come to say, it is probably because you have seen someone that has misrepresented, misrepresented the Word of God. And what you are really saying is that person is foolish, or that person is, I reject. But don't, don't reject the Word of God, I, I implore you, I beg you. Don't reject if you haven't read it for yourself. If you haven't spent time alone with the Lord yourself, that is what we encourage. Pack Mule for Christ Ministries here on the island of Mauritius will have only that one message, to have an intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's only one way to do that. It is by His Spirit. It is by the Spirit of God. Verse 5, Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed. Jesus tells Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, a knowledgeable man of the Scriptures, he says to him, Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, verse 8, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now Nicodemus will say there in verse 9, how can these things be, asked Nicodemus. That which Jesus was speaking was blowing the mind of Nicodemus. Everyone had come, all the Jews had come to Nicodemus for answers. And Nicodemus, 
very confidently would quote the scriptures of the Old Testament guiding the people of the Jews, and very confidently accepting that what he was saying was accurate, correct. But then here comes Jesus Christ, and his tone changes. Even one so knowledgeable as Nicodemus understood that he did not understand. That is the point. We, as men and women on earth, as much as we may learn and know of Jesus Christ, the final conclusion ought to be for all of us how much we don't know. You are so vast in understanding. Lord, you are so great. You are so, you are infinite. We are finite. Our minds cannot grasp the vastness of God. God is eternal. We as men are not. Your flesh, that is to say your human form, we all have one. It cannot enter into heaven. Forget that idea. Forget anything that religion has ever tried to convince you because I am convinced that every man knows that what they are doing is wrong. However, I also believe that it comes a time when that consciousness will be seared like by a hot iron. It will just be done in that what you have chosen to believe is truth is in fact for you truth. But there's no peace. There's no peace in that truth which you follow, which is not true. I'm talking about religion. I'm talking about the continual action of doing something in hopes, always in hopes that you will obtain salvation, entrance into heaven. And I'm here to tell you, you never will. But I'm only telling you that by which what the Bible is teaching us. That is what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. All that you know, all that you know, what I'm telling you is the fulfillment of that. I am the fulfillment of all that you know. Human flesh, your flesh, cannot enter into heaven. The flesh is that which decays. Nothing in heaven is deteriorating. Nothing in heaven is dying. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 tells us this, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death. There will be no more grief. There will be no more crying and pain will be no more because that which was previous has passed away. That which was before Christ Jesus has passed away. Now, now, wait a minute. We are still dying. We are still grieving. There is still death in the world. Jesus has come and gone. Correct. Correct. Jesus has come to let us know his time. The time is short. That's how much closer we are for his return. His return to take us to this place. Like I said before, if you're looking for perfection in man, you'll never find it, you'll never get it, you'll never see it. However, you will get it. You will see it. You will obtain it in our glorified bodies on this day. That day is not determined to us. We do not know when that day will be. That day can be right now. According to what the Word of God has said, that day where Christ Jesus returns to take his church home could very well be now. I'm not saying that it will be now. I'm not saying that it will be five days from now, five years from now, 50 years from now. But I am saying that it could be 
Could be now. Could be five days from now. Could be five years from now, 50, days, 50 years from now. The time is now to understand the truth of what Nicodemus is now coming to hear for the first time. And he is a scholar when it comes to the scriptures, yet he still doesn't understand. Verse 10, are you a teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things, Jesus replied? He said earlier, flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. There's a lot of teachings that will talk of, I am praying in the spirit. I am moving in the spirit. I am walking, I'm working, I'm doing in the spirit. All of it biblical. However, it is the outcome of what follows those words is not biblical. And this is where we find the, we get lost, we get confused. Do not turn away from the word of God because of man's lack of understanding. Do not turn away from the word of God because of people like Nicodemus, who are scholarly, who know more than you and me. But they don't understand, and that's what Jesus is here to tell them. Doesn't matter how much you know of God's word, unless you're born again, unless the Spirit interprets it for you, you know as much as Nicodemus does. And I don't think there's a man on earth, maybe there is, but not many, that know as much as Nicodemus did. That being said, flesh is flesh, spirit is spirit. All of the works that men can do, which the Bible claims as righteousness, they are completely worthless when done in the flesh, when done by your own power. One of my favorite verses, Isaiah said there in chapter 64, verse 6, the first part of verse 6, he said this, all of us, speaking of men, anthropos, that's men and women, all of us have become like something unclean. He says, all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. The Bible is very explicit. Don't think for one second the Bible does not explain fully what is being said, what is meant. Do you know what that polluted garment is? That polluted garment is a menstrual pad. That is the definition of that word used, the Hebrew, the Aramaic word used to, to write that. So all of our acts in the eyes of the Lord are as polluted rags. That's about as descriptive as you get, apart from the flesh. Everything that is spirit-led, man does in fact uh, do, is pleasing and acceptable to God. Interesting that we can in fact do for the Lord. We can in fact go to church. We can in fact do the works of God which are pleasing to Him. But there can be those who do the exact same thing as you do but yet are as polluted rags. Why? What is the difference? Ah, the difference is the mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible teaches. Have that mediator. Have that variable between you and the Almighty God, Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible teaches us. It's all about Him. The more we spend time in God's Word, the more we spend time in prayer to Him, the more we spend time in finding what it is 
he has us to do. It's to worship him. Everything we do is worship. Everything we do. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 3. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. This is going to be the difference between two people doing the exact same thing in worship to the Lord. I'm talking about church attendance, Bible studies, prayer meetings, all these things, helping one another, loving one another, seeing what needs to be done that your neighbor needs and doing it, that kind of thing. Two people can be doing the exact same thing, yet one is as polluted rags to the Lord and yet the other is well and accepted. How is that so? Jesus is explaining that to Nicodemus. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. When we look at what exactly is righteousness, we can, we can then come to understand this proverb. What does the Bible say righteousness is? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, will write in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. He said this, for God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It doesn't stop there. That we might become the righteousness of God, but it doesn't stop there. Here we begin to see the difference between those that do the acts of righteousness, but yet are as polluted rags, and those that do the acts of righteousness and are in fact accepted by God. Because the verse does not stop there, that we are the righteousness of God. Paul goes on to say the truth, and that is that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. When John the Baptist said, chapter 1, verse 33, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now in context, what, gospel, what uh, John the Baptist is saying is that it is in Jesus Christ that we are born again. It is in Jesus Christ that we are accepted into the kingdom of God. It is in Jesus Christ that we would know the Father. Jesus tells Nicodemus, truly I tell you, there in verse 3, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless I am born again, unless I am baptized by the Holy Spirit. You can pretend to be, you can say that you are. There are church organizations out there that do things and claim it to be of the Spirit, yet not substantiated by the Word of God. It is only in Christ that we are righteous. Without Christ Jesus as the source of influence to our actions, everything we do will be as a sacrifice that is unacceptable to God. How unfortunate that even then we can still pretend to be doing it for Christ.